Hey everybody, Kevin Olson, The Payments Professor here, and The Payments Podium today is glad to welcome Shamir Sachdev, and he's going to be walking us through a seven-point plan that he has for expansion. And uh, well, folks, this is about to be a lot of fun because Shamir and I have already been having a little fun getting everything prepped and ready for this podcast today. And I want to say, Shamir, welcome to The Payments Podium. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, the question I ask for everybody that, that we got to start with is, you know, how did you get your start in payments? Because when you ask somebody, how did you end up in payments? Like, for example, myself, I was a computer guy. I don't do anything with computers now, but I had a computer degree. I was in the computer industry. Suddenly I end up working for a banking software company and I, I'm in the world of electronic payments. So how, how did you get into this industry? Um, that's a great question. So I, I actually started my career. I'll keep it short. I started my career as a broker um, and then yeah, I started my career as a broker, eventually worked my way up, um, ended up in banking um, and then working for a an online trading platform, um, which then led to me, you know, setting up the agency. So I was running the marketing team at uh, the online trading platform and then I suddenly decided that right, I was going to set up my own agency. Um, and then I decided I was never going to do financial services um i just wanted to focus on fun stuff like fashion and you know gaming and things like that and then no basically i didn't get any work um and they all went no you know i've got but i've got someone who who, who you know who works in financial services that could really do with your help and so eventually you know well you need money to pay the bills i gave in and, and here we are now and I, I run an agency that specializes in fintech and payments is one of the areas that we you know that, that we uh that we work in. All right. I, I think a lot of us, it, it was in, in myself included, I just had to pay the bills, you know, a job came along, I took it and the rest, you know, is history. Been here for decades now, I can say. Okay. You're going to walk us through today, a seven point plan that you have. So what, how, how do we even look at the seven point plan? Where do we get started? I mean, what, what's first in that plan? Yeah. So, so it's, I think to, to, to set the scene, um, you know, I think a business that's looking to expand and grow needs to have some sort of roadmap and plan in place. Um, and we kind of put this sort of seven point plan together, um, you know, over a period of time um, as we were working with, um, you know, a lot of, you know, startup businesses that were doing sort of go to market stuff. Um, and then eventually, companies that were looking to you know drive their growth and then expand across multiple territories and then um, brands that perhaps had you know that were mature but were trying to launch new products and, and trying to enter new territories so we kind of put the sort of checklist together as sort of you know um, as a bit of a guideline as to what they should be doing um, just to make sure they have kind of all of their their, their ducks in a row um, so that's kind of how we've sort of approached it and I would probably say that for a mature marketing department, they've probably got a lot of these things, you know, in place. But mm -hmm. what I tend to find is it will usually be sort of like five out of seven or six out of seven. And I think for the more sort of junior um, or more fledgling businesses, you know, they're probably getting two or three out of seven out there. But in an ideal world, you kind of want to um, nail down all seven of these, really. Okay, now you really got me excited because I know a lot of people out there today, here in the U.S. at least, 
are struggling to create plans and strategies for expanding their business, for really being able to offer new products, offer new services, and be able to grow. So uh, I'm really interested now because I got a feeling we're going to want all seven. I don't see just a couple of them being used. So so where, where do we get started with that then? Yeah, so I, I think uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll walk us through them. Um, so I think best place to start, I always find is, um, you know, just talk about the money up front. Um, so the question I always ask is, you know, are your pockets deep enough to expand? And, and, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, do you have enough budget to, you know, either steal or, or create market share in a new area? You know, if we're talking about the US and you're talking about a regional bank organization or perhaps a, a slightly larger, larger organization that's over a number of states, do you have enough money in the bank to sustain your growth in currently where you are and also to, to, to enter new areas? Um, and the reason I ask that question is, you know, are we are we approaching this from a strategic perspective or are we approaching this from an ego perspective? Um, you know, so can we grow, you know, efficiently enough and fast enough, you know, with the products that we already have in the territories we're already in? Or are we trying to satisfy some form of ego? You know, I want to be in all, all, all states across the US or I want to be, you know, in every country in Europe or whatever it is. But actually, could you just make equally amount, you know, the amount of money in, in just serving one one territory? We get that a lot in the UK because like, Europe is the the kind of go to spot for UK based businesses. So they suddenly go, I want to launch into Europe. You're in, you know, Europe's like 26 countries with 26 different languages. Um, so it's a lot of uh, infrastructure that needs to be built and nuances and regulation and all of that sort of stuff. So it's sort of like, well do we need to be in all 26 so yeah that's that's the first question is okay i, I absolutely that. love that is it a strategic perspective or is it ego because i know a lot of times when i'm talking to people i'm i'm asking them are you being uh, i'm going on the offense or are you going on the defense mm. and i hadn't even thought about it are you just doing it to say you did it and, and that that can be a huge thing right there are you doing it just to say you did it or to satisfy you know somebody's personal plan versus the actual business strategy. So I love that start. And of course, show me the money, right? Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, the final thing to kind of add to that is, you know, especially, especially in the climate that we're in at the moment, just to your point about sort of offense or defense, you know, should you be playing defense in, in, you know, over the next 12 months until the market settles down, is this the right time to, to start throwing that cash around? Absolutely. Okay. So that's step one or, or, or the first point. What's second? So I call, I call this um, scoping out the scene. Um, so, you know, identifying the best, you know, I call them territories. Um, and I think territories can be either, um, you know, geographical locations um, or they could be, um, you know, product areas or service lines that you, you, you could be um, targeting. So, you know, it's scoping out exactly where is the best best avenue uh, for you to go into and, 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 and asking yourself, well, why? Um, so, you know, if you're talking about it from a, a geographical perspective, you know, let's say we're expanding from one state to, a, to, to another, or one country to another, you know, which, which one of those has you know, the, 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 the largest total addressable market, you know, and is there growth in those areas? 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. is it an, is it on an upwards trend at the moment? So you, um, I like to refer to this: Are you jumping on a moving train, or are you, you know, standing still at a station? It's easier to jump on a moving train. So, you know, it, it's not a bad thing sometimes to have some competitors in 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 a space as well. Um, and then if it's you know a new product line, you know, is it something that's um, being talked about? Um, so I know in the US at the moment, there's that move towards faster payments, obviously in the UK, we've had it for years. Um, but, um, you know, it's going to be a big thing out there and, and, and it's going to be, you know, there's gonna be a lot of buzz around it, but this, you know, it's going to be a very, very competitive space. So how do you break that down? You know, should you be focusing on, you know, a particular area of the market? that um, is going to utilize that functionality more than others rather than kind of going, you know, with, with broad strokes. All right. So if I'm hearing that right, and let's use faster payments as an example, and somebody is scoping out the scene, they're evaluating the market. Is that a case of, let's say, like, because I know you, again, you've had faster payments in Europe for a long time. You've already been through a lot of this here. We're new to it. Would that mean taking and looking at what industries could you actually serve by offering the faster payment solution to them? You know, maybe it's medical, maybe it's retail, maybe it's consumer, something like that. And looking at from that perspective, because there definitely are institutions here that would maybe use that as a way to grow into new states or new cities, something like that. But I know a lot of them are definitely looking at it from the, well, how are we going to offer new products or services point of view? So is that looking at really those different industries that maybe you could serve and finding those solutions? Yeah, you know, it, it absolutely could be. Um, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being famous for one thing. Um, you know, I, I think if you can be, become the go-to supplier for, uh, a particular particular sector, um, you know, and, and ideally a growing sector, then it goes back to that jumping on a moving train. You know, if you can align both, you know, growth and, um, you know, niching down your 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 um, um, your, your focus, um, then you know it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier. It makes sales easier. It makes marketing easier. Okay. I got to agree. All right. So we've got, show me the money. We've got, Hey, scope out the scene and see what's going on. What's, what's going to be point three. So it kind of, um, moving on from your point of, you know, particular, particular sectors or industries, uh-huh. um, this kind of goes down to sort of, you know, who, who are you going to acquire? So that's kind of that, that there, right. Which is, you know, you know, is the pain point, um, the same in, say every every territory geographically or in every sector um or or you know yeah in every sector um so what you know what i mean by that is is that if you can identify a um a group of individuals or a group of businesses um whether they are you know their commonality is location or um service if they're a business um that are that you know that are suffering from this pain point then Again, that's going to make your entry point a lot easier. It doesn't mean to say that you only ever need to serve those individuals, but if they can become your early adopters um, and you can build critical mass for reaching and then serving these individuals, then you get that, um, you know, you get the social proof that you need. Um, you know, we do this a lot with um, early stage companies. You know, they, you know, we ask them, you know, who's your target customer? And they'll say everyone. And be like, well, 
you know, you, you, you know, you've only been given like 15, 20 million, you know, seed funding here. So, you know, you're not going to conquer the world on that. Um, let, let's drill it down a little bit. And I'll, but I also see this larger organizations as well that are launching new products, you know, um, they tend to fall into the trap of thinking they're thinking that their brand is going to carry them through. Um, and I think sometimes you have to go back down to basics and go, okay, well, we've got our brand. That's great. That's our qualified, you know, that's our qualified. It's going to get our foot in the door, but actually does our, our pain point genuinely serve this all, you know, does our product serve this audience? Do they have a pain point? Okay. Well, and that's, that's huge too, because I know, I saw here recently uh, NACHA, which oversees the ACH associations and, and ACH network here in the U.S. They recently had a huge campaign that reached out to the dental industry because they saw where they were having trouble with making, you know, payments and and how they could improve upon it. And and I wonder, too, you know, is maybe some of the pain points we see with uh, people doing wires and sometimes the time it takes and uh, the security protocols that are in place that that could help them to be able to further define it. But the number one thing I'm getting out of that, though, is you're saying, let's find who your customer is. Let's know what their actual pain point is, where they're having problems and then how you can solve for it. Yeah, it's, you know. You know, it's one of those where, you know, you've got a choice between building a solution for, you know, an existing community um, or building a building a feature and then driving and trying to find and then drive that community to it. You know, it's, it's always going to be easier to build something for, for, for an existing com- uh, community. Um, and kind of next on the, the, the checklist, sort of switching streams a little bit um, is, you know, asking yourself a simple question, you know, will will local regulations or regulations in general impact your ability to, to acquire new users. Um, so just having some cognizance, you know, especially in, in payment sector, in the fintech sector, financial services, you know, th- this is ongoing. Um, you know, you've got obviously FINRA, they're, they're, you know, not great to deal with. They're no, they're no fun, you know, uh, they're, no, they're no FCA. Um, we see this a lot in, in, in UK and Europe where you've got individual regulators in every country and they all have different levels of, of um, I suppose, you know, stringence, let's call it. Um, and so therefore, we've got to think about what can we launch in what territory? Because even though the audience might be fantastic and the total addressable market's amazing, well, there might be a reason for that. Is that's because there's nobody else in the marketplace because regulations won't allow. Um mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's it's better to go, okay, where can we get into quickly and easily? Um, because also I think the other side of the coin is um, where can we start testing our messaging as soon as possible? Where can we start testing the product as soon as possible? Um, and when I talk about regulators, you know, that, that sort of financial regulators, but you've also got to think about uh, the other regulators involved with advertising and marketing as well, you know, for, for, for growth. Um, you know, you're going to have, you know, your, 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 you know, communications regulators, you know, in, in the UK, it's Ofcom, um, you know, ad platforms, you know, great example of this at the moment is Google. Um, you know, they are so tight on their regulation around advertising crypto products. It's non, non-existent in Europe. Um, I mean, there are a few backdoors, but, you know, not reliable. Um, you can, you know, advertise uh, crypto in the US, but uh-huh. even then, it's, you know, it's state to state dependent, really. 
Um, so, you know, that's, that's a massive uh, point of consideration. Um, and I think it's that balance between, you know, as, as a marketer, it's the balance of, you know, time to market um, versus perfect market. And I think, you know, you could wait for a big opportunity to come along, but actually miss out perhaps on, on growing some market share in some areas as well. I, this might be one of my favorite points so far. I'll have to say that. Let me give the disclaimer because, you know, I don't know. The other one's coming up. I might like them better. But here you are representing, you know, and talking with fintech companies and you're telling them, look at the regulations. And one of the things that I've seen a lot here in the U.S. is financial institutions, they are fu- they are so focused on the regulations. They're so focused on the compliance. They're making sure they're going to pass, you know, their audits and, and everything like that's in place because the last thing they want is to have regulatory issues and have fines imposed on them. And then we look at the side of the fintechs and there are some that are really good at getting people who know what they're doing and making sure that they are within the regulatory, you know, boundaries. And then there are some others that are out there that are, we're just going to do it and we'll see if we can get the regulation changed. And I don't really like that method. I I like the let's look first and make sure we can do this and and then move forward type of thinking. So I I think that one's great as far as advice. Look and see if you can do it before you just start doing it. It's interesting. We we, we were working with a client that um, lobbied um, the government to change regulation and they did they got started they were doing really really well and then they had a change of heart um and you know wait wait, who had the change of heart the government oh yeah the government yeah yeah they they went you know we we actually don't like this so we're going to reclassify this product uh which means that you no longer have the license for this product so stop acquiring customers in fact stop serving your customers Oh my. Um, so they're, they're, they're in, you know, a real state of limbo at the moment. So that, that sort of let's jump and see what happens can be a genuine case. I mean, we, I'm, I'm loving the analogies, by the way, the frying pan into the fire. Cause then you're in, fire, <laughs> then you're in all sorts of things at that point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm English, right? We, we, you know, we like a good cuss word. <laughs> no problem because i get it and, and, you, and you want to cover your assets that is just something that you know everybody needs to be aware of when they're looking at going to those things i could only imagine you know and i i, I know people have experienced this going into something and then finding out that from a regu- regulatory change it's no longer allowed and you're being mm-hmm. shut down that would be uh disheartening all right so we got the first four we, we got three more to go i'm, I'm curious what's number five so um, I call this, you know, a bit of competition never hurt nobody. Um, and I, I really love this because there's always a, um, uh, a view that if you go into, a, you know, if you're expanding into a certain area, whether it's, it's a product line, a service or a, or a territory or a country or whatever, um, there's always a view that, oh, there's no competitors there. That's great. We can corner the market. The problem with that, though, is um, that you, you're then in a situation where you're having to educate the market about the product or the proposition, but geographically or, or service line, right? Um, because if it's a new service line, effectively, it's, it's, it's you know, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a whole new area. So you have to spend time and money to educate those potential users, those potential customers. And you know, you've got to balance up at that point, you know, can you afford the time? 
and can you afford it financially as well? It's a lot more costly to educate. Um, so I actually quite like going into areas where there's some degree of competition because actually they've kind of gone into this, the, the, the territory for you uh, or the sector for you. Uh, they've started educating, they've started onboarding, um, and then you can kind of come in with a better offer, a better product, and then steal, basically. Um, you've also got, you know, you're also in a position that you've got a baseline, you can see what has worked, what hasn't worked. Um, but equally as well, you, you know, with all of those things kind of going on, you've, you're in a position where you can kind of assess, you know, what do you need to do as a business you know, to offer a comparative service, if not a better service. Um, so, you know, think about, you know, does your, uh, do your competitors have, you know, on the ground resources versus, you know, your brand that may only have, say, a call center resource in another state, another area, another location, another country. Um, so they're things to, to um, take into consideration. Um, I think the other thing as well is, is that if you're dealing with one major competitor, um, in a particular area, so whether it's geographical or sector, you're relying upon them to expand the market. Mm. Um, and then the problem with that is, is that if they suddenly decide not to and they stagnate, you're in a position where you're then, yes, you're stealing from them, but actually it's not a growing market at that point. Then you're in a you know you're in a static market, you know, and cost per acquisition will basically increase. So you want to be in a place where there is actually some competition going on, they you know collectively expanding the market, um, and then you can kind of pick up users off the back of that. And it's quite cost effective to do that. You can do that with like performance marketing and direct marketing. You don't necessarily need to do big brand campaigns for that. You know, test and see what works, and then then you can kind of go you know hell for leather uh, and take out, take out the competition. Um, the other thing I think here as well is collaboration with competitors. Um, and for some reason, the only example I can think of, uh, and I might be showing my age here, is um, the great um, competition between 50 Cent and Kanye West when the <laughs> albums were dropping on the same week. And they approached that uh, as, you know, boxers approaching, you know, uh, a title fight. And they, they, you know, got, you know, they got buy-in from both their audiences and they created a lot of hype. They got a lot of headlines, a lot of PR. So, you know, is there a, you know, a competitor, maybe an indirect competitor, or maybe a, um, another brand that's in your space with a similar customer base that can help you leverage getting into a new sector or a new uh, geographical location? Um, so, yeah, my advice there is, is be more 50 Cent and be more Kanye West. It's neither one. So you're not going to pick one or the other. Well, you know what I, I've always loved about competition and how you mentioned that the education can already be done for you. I hadn't even thought about that one. I think that is great. But I know that competition also, it gets you to work harder, do better because you're, you're looking at saying, OK, these people are doing this. I can do better than that. Let, let's you know push the bar. Let's push ourselves harder. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can come up with more creative ways, better products, better services. And, and there's just something about people having choice, too, that helps to improve the market overall to push products and services forward. So I agree with that. Com competition is a good thing. I, I think so. I think one other point to add is, is, is talent acquisition as well. You know, mm -hmm. if you've got um, competitors in the space, it can be a hell of a lot easier to build a team um, with experience um, and, and competitor know-how. Um, you know, in an area where you've got two, three, four competitors. 
I got to agree. Yeah, that's a huge point right there. All right, we're, we're down to the last two. So I'm really, I'm curious now, what are they? Cool. So um, th th this is, you know, very simple. Yeah. How, how do the, I call these the locals, by the way. How do the locals consume media? Uh, and this might be slightly more relevant from a geographical standpoint, but I think if you're you're suddenly making the switch from B to C to B to B, um, it, it can be relevant as well. Um, so understanding the media landscape and and how the locals consume me, you know, consume media is is is, is critical. Um, so you know, you can make the assumption that the way um, your existing customers, sorry, your, your prospective customers consume media is exactly the same as the way your, um, you know, your existing customers consume media. And, you know, I think the US is such a big, you know, it's such a huge place that, you know, you, you could be in two different countries, you know, from, from New York to, to Miami or New York to LA, um, that, you know, yeah, you may as well be in two different countries. And it's understanding, you know, how do, how do they operate? How are they getting the information? How are they getting the news? Um, you know, what social channels are they utilizing? And even thinking about out of home media as well, you know, you know, not, not everyone has Times Square, you know, there are a lot more, you know, for example, in LA, they're driving a hell of a lot more than, than, than taking, you know, walking in public transport in New York, um, for example. So I think that's massively important um, and understanding that because then that underpins how you go to market and how you launch a new product or, or, or solution um to that audience um and then you can then build your your creative around that um and i i that that's the fun bit because after you've done done all of this stuff as a marketer that's when you get to the fun bit that's when you can kind of go right you know we can actually do some really cool stuff in this particular location or for example one of my favorite um campaigns for a b2b proposition was um my former non-executive director uh, picked out where all his target um, um, customers were. And then he walked around London and he marked where he could buy outdoor media billboards. And then he oh. bought them individually so that when his competitors, sorry, when his prospective customers were walking out the front door, they saw his company's billboard directly outside their front door. And then he just bought up that space for God knows how long and then just trade, trade, uh, changed the creative on a regular basis. So Brilliant. I think it was very, yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. He, he landed one of the biggest customers for, um, I can't say the company he used to work for, but for, uh, um, a competitor of Bloomberg, let's call it. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think, um, you know, understanding that works at a B2C level, it works at a B2B level. It works at a geographical level. It works on a sector dependent level. You talked about, um, dentists, you know, how are dentists consuming media? What what publications are they purchasing? What are they buying? Where are they going? Where are they you know, what conventions are they going to? All of that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's that's, that's huge. That's that's really like okay. Like I, I've been using the example of faster payments, new product, new service. How are you going to let your target audience or your account holders, your people? No, you've got this product and service available to them, what it's going to do for them. I mean, it ties a little bit back to that education, but it's really mm. getting and piquing that interest to begin with. And do you put out something on TikTok or do you put up the billboard, you know, when they walk out the street and see it? That, 
that's huge because that that is different. Like you said, New York to Miami, heck, just in Miami, you're you're going to have a difference of how people work and operate. All right, so we're we're down to the last one. I got to know what's number seven. So uh, I think the last one is 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 you know probably the most obvious one, but I I, I think it gets forgotten, which is you know what will be your value proposition, um, you know, and is your proposition relevant to your target market? Um, and I think you know t- take this faster payments example. I, th- I think this you know it's a brilliant example, you know. Is the proposition that you're pulling together going to be relevant for that particular sector? Are they going to care? Is it going to make a difference to them if there is faster payments or not? And is it going to make a difference to them that, you know, to, to, to conduct that payment through your organization? Um, you know, and if it's not, then you're going to just be wasting time and money. Um, so I think, you need, you, you know, you need to... Um, position your brand you know against competitors um and, and for prospective users and you could be asking yourself you know well what what's bad at the moment what's the pain point at the moment what's your wow factor um you know why should your target customers believe in you um and what is the the concrete outcome that you're going to deliver for your audience um and then you know once you kind of pull that together, you can do that for sector to sector. You can do that for, you know, uh, state to state or territory to territory um, and then start building out the nuances um, in your campaign. Again, this is more of a geographical example, but mm-hmm. for one of our clients, um, one of the territories that we were launching into that we were looking at had a massive inflation problem. And, you know, they're a crypto company. Um and, and it just made sense to launch into that territory because, you know, they had a genuine pain point that affected the entire population. So even though, you know, total, total addressable markets were larger in other countries, you know, the pain point, you know, was deeper in that particular one. Um, so, and, and, you know, funny enough, literally yesterday we were going through the data and, and you can kind of see it on, on the advertising material and the click-through rates that we're seeing on the ads, et cetera. So, yeah, you know, you've done all the hard work, you know, you've picked the media, you know who you're going after, you know what sector you're going after, but in, in a nutshell, does it matter to them? Yeah, if it doesn't matter, then you're going to be in trouble. Indeed. All right. Well, Shamir, you shared a lot with us, you know, from showing us the money to uh, competitions never hurt to even, you know, the media and the value proposition. But I, I got one more really important question for you. And this is one I ask pretty much every guest. And that is, if you were to go back and give your younger self who, who let's say, let, you know, say you wanted to be in payments your whole life and you were to go back and tell your younger self, hey, you're going to be working in the payments sector. You're going to be working in the fintech sector. Here's what you need to do to prepare for a successful career. What advice would you give? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think taking the time my advice would be take the time to plan prepare and do research um you know i think taking a beat even a day sleeping on an important decision uh can make all the difference i like it i like it and and how can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more about what you do yeah of course um so you can reach us you can reach me via our website um growthgorilla.co.uk um, we do serve the US. 
Um, or you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, just type my name, Shamir Satchdev, um, if you're able to spell it. Um, there's only one of me. Um, or just search for the company, Growth Gorilla. All right, no problem. I will also make sure that I tag all of that when I post this to LinkedIn. Folks, I just want to say it's been a pleasure to have Shamir on today. And for all of you out there listening, if there is a topic or even a speaker that you think should be on the payments podium, you can always email me, Kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. I will do whatever I can to get that topic addressed, to get that speaker on, to be able to voice their opinion of what they see happening in the world of electronic payments. But I also have to say for now, class dismissed.